on with dance and stuff? What's happening with dance and things? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on with dance and stuff? Welcome to the first episode of the new iteration of whatever this podcast is. <laughs> Today we have Harriet, as per the requests of the masses. Hello. Um, and we have a number of requests that we'll try to get through today. Um, but Harry and I will do a little catch up first before we bring in our listeners. Um, Harry, where have you been? I was in California for uh-huh. four months. Oh my God. Can you believe that? How long did you think you were going to be there? Like a month, maybe two. Right. And then what happened? Family. Yeah. Mom had to go to the ER. Yeah. I had to be medical translator. Oh my God. For a month. (laughs) And now she's okay. She's, everything's okay. Okay. And now you are a dog mom. I just fostered two pups and they're right here. Oh my God. And we are both in love. I don't understand. I don't actually understand the system. So... You sign up to foster dogs. Yes. They ask you a bunch of questions. Right. Then they say, come pick up these dogs. No, no, no. They drop them off. They approve They approve you based on the application. They make you go to an orientation. Mm-hmm. Then they make you sign some papers and, you know, like, I agree to take them on walks. I agree, you know, things like that. And then they tell you um, the day where to meet. For pickup, uh-huh. and it was in the city near the seaport. And before you go pick them up, you already know uh, who you're assigned to, and it's based on sort of like my apartment size, right. you know. And are you okay with two puppies? Because if they're young, they have to be socialized, so they oh. like to pair them up. And so I went with my friend Randy, and just picked them up Saturday morning. And were they in a? In a basket, or they all came in a van, and they were all in their own little <laughs> crates. Oh, so you crates, saw like a lot of dogs. So many dogs. It was it was literally like they'd be like, "Who is Fitch's foster mom?" <laughs> and then you'd have to go up and get Fitch. Did they? Do you think that some of the other dogs were related to these two? I did not see other little four month, three month old Jack Russell Terrier. Oh my mixes. god! Okay, so we're both holding one, and I have. Pansy? Posy. Posy. And you have Pansy. Well, Well, you're calling her Parker. But I call her Parker because I wanted it to be Parker Posy. Um, And so the idea is that you take care of it until somebody says, I want that dog. Yes. But do you think that a lot of the time the foster parents just adopt the dog? No. No? No. I think... A lot but of them do, you do get, this. Do you get like first pick? I do have priority, but I have to let them know within five days. How many days has it been? Two. Oh, okay. So like even if other people are like, I need that dog, you have five days. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. But I already, they already told me someone wants one of them. But that doesn't matter. You have priority. Yes. Oh my God, Harriet. You have a lot but of thinking Rita. to do. I know. Do you think I'm being crazy? No. Okay. Like, I mean, no. I think, like, you can handle it. A dog, yeah. And this kind of dog could come and be in studio. Totally. I don't know about traveling, but your roommates might want to, like, be foster parents while you travel. Yeah. Also, or you. Right, if we get split up. 
oh, when we have to go somewhere together. (laughs) (laughs) But we haven't done that in a while. I mean, if you get your doggy, like, um, therapeutic dog status, you know, like service pet, maybe you can bring it on the plane. They will be the right size. For plane travel. They'll be under 20 pounds. Um, anyways, so we just finished up our big project in Australia and I'm back and I'm now just starting to like not be jet lagged. Finally. Yeah. Except now I wake up in the morning at like six and seven, which is nice. Cause I like, I kind of want to be that person. Yeah. I've never been that person. I've always been like an eight thirty nine person. Right. But to be a six or seven o'clock person is really like you have the whole the whole, the whole day. day. It's crazy. But do you go to bed even earlier then? Oh yeah. Yeah. Because by like ten p.m. I'm like I'm so tired. Yeah. That I'm already like in bed trying to watch something. My eyes are closing. Yeah. But um. Hi. What was the best part about Australia? Um, you know what's so crazy? It already feels like a dream. That's what Pam said too. Pam really? was like, remember Pam was like, it feels like it didn't happen. Completely. Like, it. it's so far away that like, the return, by the end of the return trip, I was like, that didn't happen. <laughs> like, the best part was like, you know what the, you know how it's nice when we do our job and it all goes well. Yes. And like you're working with a team of people who are like really cooperative. And professional. Yeah. Well, like we haven't been in a theater for over years. So yeah. it was like that was really, really nice. Just to like be working on a project that was that was like a piece I cared about. And yeah. also like have it go well and not have any like stress with the production stuff. That's... That doesn't happen all the time. Oh my god. Rarely. Rarely. Like where where can you Matt, where do you remember <clears throat> has been like totally stress free costume production? Um Yeah. I don't I'd have to really <laughs> dig. I'd have to think. Yeah. I mean, let's think. We we they made amazing costumes in Geneva, but it was not a stress free it was process. not a stress it was one of the most stressful and yes they made beautiful costumes in Dusseldorf they did a good job on Robert's piece they did do a good job and they were actually very that was fun yeah. that was a fun project and they yeah. were cooperative and willing to try stuff try and let us like oh bless you <laughs> And let us, like, kind of experiment. Yeah. That was good. I don't remember where else we've worked. It's been too long now. Also, we've done so many jobs that I don't... I It's hard for me to recall things right. on the spot. Anyways, so Harriet, for those of you who don't know, is, is the other part of Reed and Harriet Design. And we got some requests. Okay. This week. From, because I, I sent out a call and I said, what would people like from the Dance and Stuff podcast? And so I'm going to read, I'm going to read some of the questions. You did this on Instagram? Mm-hmm. I did literally a story. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Very unlike me. Hi, Randy. Hi. <laughs> um, Is Jeremy going to be so mad about this? I'm doing it. <gasps> You're going to edit this. Oh, yeah. 
Don't worry. I'm not even going to edit it. You're just going to... This is just going to be it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This Puppies, is... roommates and all. Yeah, yeah. You'll hear, you'll hear background noise. I mean, some podcasts have background music. That's so true. So just, like, consider the sounds of people, the background music. Yeah. Okay. I took some screenshots of the questions. Question. What is the trickiest area of the body or garment when it comes to making dance costumes? Tricky's area? What about the waist? The waist? Yeah. The waist. Oh, I know. The waist and um, sleeves in terms of being <laughs> oh, able to lift your, yeah, lift your oh, arm. Yeah. The, let's say, I would say definitely the underarm because like if you make a garment and you really want it to sit in like a really tidy way under the arm, like you're going to restrict movement and then it's going to distort the whole garment when you lift the arms. So that's always traumatic. Yeah. So we have to pattern a gusset under the arm. I saw actually, I was watching a video of myself in this piece I did in the, in like 2009, Douglas Dunn's Pulchinella and all the men are wearing these like little tunics with puff sleeves and the arms function so well. I'll show you, and I don't know why. And it was one piece. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a vest uh-uh. over a... Hmm. I mean, it's probably just like an amazing gusset. Yeah. So the gusset is the sort of pattern piece in space that you need to put <laughs> under... You can look it up on, on Google.com. Yeah, look it up. What is a gusset? But I've also seen there's this like... Um, the Barishnikov and Gelsey Kirkland Nutcracker. Barishnikov wears this beautiful tunic that's also in one piece with sleeves and like doesn't perfect. Go, doesn't it has boat neck and doesn't move? No, and like boat neck also is very tricky. Are you sure there's not mesh? No, there's not. I'll show you a video. Holding later. it all down. I'll show you a video later. Okay, so that and generally like you'd think a crotch of a garment is difficult area but it's actually it's it's sort of okay we've struggled a little bit with like the the crotch of a female pant in the past but it just means like we have to take some of the curve out generally flatten it out yeah and i i say waste because it's something we always have to think about if there's part a lot of partnering Oh, right, right, right. So we right, can't right. get, you know, too wild with right. the waist area in terms of details oh my gosh, Wait, there's a, a question that came in today that truly is going to knock your socks off. Why? Oh, my it, God. Because it's just, like, it's really at the heart of, like, all... Our problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Say it. Okay. I'm not going to do it yet. Okay. Um, Eric Trope says, how does Harriet feel about becoming a TikTok star? Um, I'm... Such a TikTok star now. It's crazy. I like don't even have to do costume design. It's just <laughs> a hobby at this point. Um, yeah, thank you, Eric. That's what I'll say. How many views do you get? Oh, like zero. Oh, no. <laughs> I also post like once a three weeks. Okay, someone named Jennifer Ledbetter wrote, I'm curious about how you and Harriet met and how you decided to work together. I think you talked about it briefly early on the pod, but I'd like to hear a little more about it. Also, what do you plan to do with your MFA? Okay, well, we'll start with the Harriet part. Um, Wait, I want to say my version, and then I want to know your version. Oh, yeah. Also, like, Harriet was episode two of the Dance and Stuff podcast. Oh, that's true. Mm -hmm. Did we talk about that? Maybe. Yeah, but it's been 200 episodes, so you should... Um, In my, like, in my memory, I think I was just kind of like... 
I'm in fashion school. I really need to, I really want to work in women's wear. I'm focused. I don't want to make friends. I'm busy. I have a job. And then you were just kind of like, I'm going to be her friend. <laughs> uh-huh. And then you became, you like forced friendship. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm just going to keep talking to Harriet uh-huh. and ask her questions. And I just want to talk about projects with her. And then we became friends. Uh-huh. And then you were like, let's do this project together. Mm-hmm. That's what happened in my mind. <laughs> yeah. And okay, so. I'll just expand on that a little because that's true like in semester one fashion art design which is like the basically like the foundation course for designing it at FIT we're like we actually lucked out we had a good teacher Mary Bridgman and first semester fashion art design you learn how to draw a fashion figure and you learn how to like develop collections that's sort of like that's as much as you can accomplish in that first semester. Right. <clears throat> and I remember the, the final project of first semester is something called the Chanel project, which is basically you design um, a capsule collection for Chanel as if you've been hired on to take over the house. And the goal would be to kind of update right. what's happened. Like, like interpret you, Chanel through your own eyes. Right, which means like you have parameters because you have to respect the codes of Chanel, which are like, the camellia and pearls and tweed and chain and the black and white, etc. Um, so basically it's like both a history project. You have to like learn about Chanel and like what that means visually. And then you also need to then say, who am I as a designer and how do I interpret this project? And Harriet was the only person in the class in my estimation, <laughs> in, in my humble opinion, who successfully kind of, compl- I don't know, successfully did both. You took your point of view, like, kind of as far as you could. Inside, within, within Chanel. Within Chanel. Right. Whereas I did a costume project. <laughs> Absolute, like, vintage Sailor, sailor. Chanel. I yes, do remember Chanel, Sailor. Chanel on a boat in the 20s, essentially. <laughs> that was That's your point of view, though, Reed. It's not. The 20s. I mean, kind of. It's not, yeah. And maybe it was, it was really more like the 30s, because it was relaxed. But, you know. Right. So, Mine was, else, like, at least 20... 11 Yours or was 20 2010 2009 oh 2009 yeah yeah yours was very 2009 like young totally very new, young new audience you were what 26 or something yes and I just did a costume project and like <laughs> other like I remember someone else did like Chanel sports uniform oh it was collection. like yes chanel like baseball theme which is kind of like amazing could have been kind of like good. conceptual broadway show style what have you <laughs> um but i think it was after that project i mean i already was sort of like like this group of people in our class yeah. but then after that i was like oh harriet's like the smart one <laughs> no we everybody like of our group i would like respected everybody right but i was like oh harriet um, Harriet has the best taste. She's the best. Yeah. <laughs> Harriet has the best taste. So then moving forward, then I was like, I need to pick Harriet's brain because I still don't yet understand like what this idea of like point of view is in like mm. fashion school. Because I was like, 
I think I generally have a good sense of like what What's looks good. good. Yeah. But I don't know like what I am as a designer, you know? Right. And so it through conversation with you and like looking at collections and like Raf's Raf Simmons, the Jill Sander collection from that spring, I was like, oh, like I'm starting to understand like what my values are as a designer, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you loved that. You would always be like, Harriet, let's go to the computer lab and look at the new RAF collection. Right. And I needed to like look through everybody's work to start to like put together my own value system in fashion. Yeah. And I think you already had a kind of subconscious value system because of like your own experience with women's wear style. Like, Yeah. And it's something even as a child I was interested in. Right. Beyond just like, this is what I wear. It's not just something you need to do for me it was like what does this what does this mean and what do I like and why do I like this and what goes with what and what uh what am I feeling today and Mm. what and how does that dictate what I'm gonna choose to wear um so anyways we were both together going through school and even though class-wise we kind of diverged because we had to we had to sort of split our schedules because I had to, I was still dancing. And so anyways, but we still continued to like discuss and And meet up, check in about our projects, look at each other's projects. And then we got, I, I designed something for Avi Schur and Janie Taylor also designed something on the same show. And so then she was like, Oh, this person knows how to make clothes. And then she recommended me to Justin. And I didn't know who Justin was, but I'd heard whisperings in the air. Yes. That this is, there's a talented young person who's, who's making, making some dances. Not yet at New York City Ballet, but making some dances. Wait, and this is the best part. What? He gave, he mailed us a CD-ROM. What? Remember that? No. Yes, this is, wow, time. A CD. We, I remember getting a CD-ROM and putting it into a computer and we were watching his like work. Oh my god. Old times. Wow. Old times. Incredible. I don't recall that, but I'm glad you remember things. Like we could probably find it in our studio. I'm sure we CD. have that CD, yeah. <clears throat> um so Justin, who was also probably at this point like sort of we were all faking it, you know, like faking like what does it mean to be a professional, this or that. So Justin was pretending to be a professional choreographer sent us a CD-ROM <laughs> and asked us for our um, portfolio. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I want to do this project with Harriet. I just like made an intuitive decision. So I went to Harriet. I said, Harriet, do you want to collab? And she said, okay. I don't know what you were doing at this point. If you were like a senior or if you were started Jill yet. I think you were a senior. I think I was still in school. Yeah. But like my last semester or something right and so we put together a fake website hysterical (laughs) i think it was like wordpress was definitely wordpress (laughs) and it had some of your work and some of my work and then we i asked justin like what's a ballet that you think needs a redesign and so he told us and we did a redesign for one of the dances it was a benjamin millipier dance sure and i I basically said, um, I explained what the dance was to you. Yes. And we redesigned it. And then Justin was like, you're hired. And I'm like, 
In, in <laughs> as hindsight, if, as if there was yeah, someone else. I'm kind of like, would we not have been hired? <laughs> right. Was he looking at other? Maybe he was putting out feelers, and he got multiple portfolios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, be, we I'm sure there was dozens and dozens of people auditioning for that job. Um, which was a pas de deux for Tess and Robbie at the Youth America Grand Prix. And we did a good job. And then Justin continued hiring us. And that was kind of like, and in between like getting that job and that piece premiering, we also did the solo for Andrea Miller, for, for Drew, Drew for my roommate Drew. Yes. <clears throat> and so that was the beginnings of Reed and Harriet. When we were, um, I remember taking measurements of Tess at a cafe. <laughs> completely yeah oh my god i remember like doing fittings with like michelle wiles and like the public FIT restrooms at FIT. <laughs> <laughs> oh my um, goodness it was really crazy but we did have access to all the workrooms and machinery at fit which was great because that's where we would make it yeah that was our studio space and they had everything we could dream of really for making except we had no instruction about like how to make dance clothes had no idea no idea we we hadn't done stretch really yet oh no like i i remember like we didn't even do any stretch until after we were well on our way with as with the costume premier de- costume oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. but i i i remember like th- third draping three was soft silhouettes but it also had some stretch in it yes knit section yeah but at that point, I think mm, I hadn't yet gotten that one piece unitard pattern because I, I copied that from when I was working at Oregon Ballet Theater in like 2012 or something. But anyways, this is all details, details, details. There was a period of time after school when Harriet took a job at Jill Stewart and was designing dresses for a couple years. And so I did a lot of designing on my own. Um, but periodically Harriet would pop in and then eventually when Harriet was becoming a disgruntled employee, (laughs) I was like, well, maybe I was like, I'm getting a lot of offers for work. So maybe we'll have enough that we can just both do it. And then we, we did it. We launched Reed and Harry. We built a website. We, and we never looked back. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we, I, I remember thinking I prefer the dance world better just because I there was more freedom and yeah. it was less commerce oriented. Yeah. I mean, the dance world has its other problems, right. but at that moment I was like I feel more free designing for dance. And so I remember I was like, okay, I'm totally not interested in what I'm doing anymore at Jill Stewart. So let's like shift this somehow into a full-blown company yeah and so i turned the light on and so i remember taking a part-time job at fit while i transitioned uh, you know making rnh more uh something that could you know sustain both of us i forgot yeah i worked part-time for like a bit but you also like you had worked part-time at FIT to pay tuition, right? For school, so it yeah. was easy for me to kind You of, already knew the people Yeah, admissions. I was like, hey. Harriet... <laughs> get me Harriet, back in there. Harriet worked the front desk at um, admissions. 
which meant that people who walked in who had questions about like getting into FIT would have to like confront Harriet. She was like the first person you'd see. And I was often there just like gossiping with Harriet and then someone would come in and I'd just step aside while they spoke. And it was like... I love your impressions, too. Oh, this is how it would go. They'd be like, hi, um, my son is interested in the fashion design program at FIT. Um, and we were wondering if you could, you know, explain to us, like, what are the requirements, et cetera. You'd be like, well, you're going to need to submit X, Y, and Z, and your child's going to need to have a GPA of, like, 3.4 and above. And they would be like, well, what if they don't? You'd be like, then you might want to consider something else. (laughs) I did not. No, it was really like that. You'd be like, well... I mean, it was crazy the way in which you would kind of just, like, dismiss people and be like, I can't help you with that, but I could set you up with someone else to talk to. (laughs) And here I'm thinking I was just the nicest. You were were nice enough. Yeah, that's true. But you didn't... Actually, I never thought I was the nicest. Yeah, I was like, I'm just going to be professional. You were professional and you would, like, guide people to where they needed to go, but, like... The way in which people would come in in this, like, extremely delusional manner, I was like, how does she deal with this at all? I mean, there are worse examples in that. People would come in and demand to know why they didn't get it. Oh, my God. And then I'd be like, okay, well, what's your student ID, your name and social? I'd look them up, and they'd have, like, a 2.0 GPA. (laughs) And I'm like, and you are confused as to why you were not accepted. Right. I didn't so, say that. So okay. But he said it in a different way. Anyways, this would, this will be, in terms of Harriet and I wanting to like always escape the treachery of the fashion world and the kind of like merchandise and retail aspects of fashion, which are a grotesque. Grotesque. <clears throat> um, wasteful. We've also, of course, like run into our own set of problems with the universe of designing for dance, um, which is a lot of why we've pursued like modes of um, inquiry that have led us to various fellowships and um, kind of more academic work where we can ask questions and illuminate to other people like the importance of our field. So and I think it's that that universe and that work that led me towards the MFA that I'm doing now, which is an MFA in dance at University of the Arts. But the thrust of my research is basically about collaboration in the dance field and the points in time when collaboration hasn't been so clearly inside of the choreographer hierarchy, where the choreographer is... um, just in charge of every aspect of the production. So I think for a long time, Harriet and I have tried to participate in the creative process of making dances in a way that kind of transcends what is traditionally, how do I say this? I mean, Karen Young, who's another dance costume designer in New York that we, that's taught us a lot and who we have a lot of respect for, one said to me, you know, the reason why dance designers don't, or costume designers in general, get kind of like bottom billing, the least respect, etc., is that it's traditionally women's work. And so that sort of like opened up a lot of questions for us as to like, well, then how do we shift that paradigm? 
how does that change? And for us, it's just basically been about like creating our own projects. Yeah. Creating our own projects, but also working within the structures of the ballet world um, and making sure that when we sign contracts or discuss, um, you know, productions that we make sure that we're also given the things that the other collaborators are given. Right. And negotiating, you know, decent pay. Right. And Harriet's experience at the admissions desk being a ball buster has been really <laughs> useful for that. I feel like this is how it goes. We go in and I'm like, this is what we need. And then they're like, no. And I'm like, no, but this is why. And they're like, well, this is why. And then Reed goes, okay, fine, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh my god! If you weren't here, I would still, I would still You'd be, be ma- making, be making costumes for free. Basic, yeah, completely. <laughs> I'd be absolutely just making costumes for everyone for free, and I'd forget who owes me money. <laughs> um, so, anyways, that that I sort of answered the MFA question. So now I'm gonna go to the question, the hot button question. What's the hot button question? It's good. It's really smart. Okay. This is someone who says. How do you get out of, and this is in quotations, ballet proportions, and then in parentheses, making the legs and neck longer and certainly not wearing anything that covers one shape too much. So basically, how do you get out of the ballet proportions eyes when buying and styling clothes? I'm having a hard time negotiating between wanting to wear things that really mess with that aesthetic and have a sense of style and the despair of feeling like it's all just unflattering, no matter how beautiful or interesting or well-made the garments are. Oh, so so this the person, ballet proportion, as in like to, where the like tutu tights, like well, basically, like this person feels trapped in sort of believing in the beauty of, of like a fitted fitted garments, fitted garments. yeah, um, and that is something that Harriet and I have been battling for. For the whole time. The whole time. The whole time. And look, it's not like we're against a fitted garment. We love a unitard. We love sometimes a tight and a leotard. Like, there's a lot of, like, designs we've done and and really been proud of that are skin tight. However, we've come up against so much resistance when we want to do voluminous clothes. From everyone. Yeah. Dancers, choreographer, directors. Completely audiences there's a kind of like misperception about what the dancing body should be wearing and i think people forget that like the costume can offer more than just like a kind of outline of the body yeah it can enhance movements it can enhance yeah, with, with space. Sometimes a costume needs space. Yeah, and also, like, many fabrics totally lose their life if you if you try to bring it too close to the body. So... Also, it's so limiting to only work within that silhouette. Right. There are so many f- fabrics out there that has can tell its own story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'd be so limiting if we only used stretch totally (laughs) spandex all the time and you know in terms of relating this idea to the universe of fashion and style and trying to dress yourself in ways that 
deviate from kind of like ballet aesthetics, just look, start looking towards people like really stylish people who like understand how to wear bags, who understand how to wear clothes with volume. And like the truth of the matter is, is that like wearing really it's it's sort of counterintuitive because like a lot of thin people think like oh I should I should dress to like show my body but I feel like when you wear clothes that sit away from the body for in many situations like I think you'll be enhanced you'll you'll I don't know how to say this how should I say this Harriet well when when there's more fabric to work with and there's space you can enhance um different aspects of your body mm-hmm. you um it's you know it's not, because it's not just an outline of your body it mm-hmm. you can really play around with proportions um right. and in that way it can make you look taller longer slimmer yeah or or not if that's not what you want to mm-hmm. go for well um, i also think there's a kind of misunderstanding about like bigger bodies and how you dress a bigger body because some people might think like oh you should like put really like spacious garments on bigger bodies but often that's not the case like sometimes with bigger bodies it's really nice to just show the shape of it and like bring the fabric really close to the body and like have sort of less bulk around it yeah and that's I, I I don't find that to be the case and in, in dance costumes when you think about like various designs that have been really successful for us and others like I think immediately about like pictures at an exhibition by Adeline Andre and those are sacks they're just tent smocks and they're beautiful they're so beautiful unlike all you really see are like limbs you just see some legs and you see some arms so effective really good anyways I I think like your question is wrapped up in a lot of like psychology and self-acceptance questions. And I think if you can look towards people like Yayoi Kusama and like people who really understand how to like utilize bigger volumes, then like, I think you can get excited about that. I think Yeah. And, and on a more sort of practical applicable level, when you're wearing volume, um, details can really change the garment or how you look so look at the neckline of the piece Mm -hmm. what neckline works for you Mm -hmm. is it a boat is it a big scoop do you want a little bit of shoulder so things like the neckline and this where the sleeves hit and the and the length of the garment really can change a lot of things it's yeah it's a lot about proportion and cut and but that's what makes it more fun and versatile yeah I think that's that's good I mean sort of answer yeah I think so I mean it's also a complicated question for us because it's factored it so much into some various miseries in our own job true who's who's someone she can follow or look at well I think the Comparet people Yes, gorgeous. And who are the, what are the clothes that Francis models for? Uh, yes. What are those called? I believe it's a Vietnamese-American designer. I don't mm-hmm. remember the name. I'll find it. You'll find it and post it on Dance and Stuff. Yeah. Um, but look up Francis Chung on Instagram and then look for images of her where she's, like, not in a leotard but in, like, a dress. <laughs> 
and then you'll 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 find the designer. Um, also, Adetache is no longer a label, but certainly Mona understood like how to put volume on the female body. Um, um, Maria Cornejo. Maria, oh, for sure. Maria Cornejo is like an expert in like the the sack dress. Yeah. Um, also, oh, it just left my mind. Can't recall. Anyways, there's lots of labels out there that that do a nice uh, a big garment. Okay. There's another thing from, sorry, I'm taking a little, a little pause. My brain has stopped working. What time is it? 7.51. Wow. This is from Tutu Celeste, who's Emma Wang. <clears throat> Hi, Emma. Emma, maybe one day you can teach us how to make a tutu. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be fun. We don't know how to do that. Okay, hello, love your show. I started listening because of my interest in costumes when you were on the Kimberly Falker. I would, um, which, what is that show called? That's another podcast I don't think Kimberly's doing anymore. Um, I would love a deeper dive into your brain and Harriet's. I'm also a parent of a high school dancer headed to a college dance program in 2022. She's done Juilliard Summer multiple times. Love a deeper dive into that, as you mentioned, a student you're working with there, or college programs for modern contemporary dance in general. Lastly, Anything with, with James Whiteside is delightful, obviously. And then I remember Jack saying how NYC was the center of the dance world. Made me think how training there seems to be a good direction. Well, that's for sure. Yes, James is amazing. Um, sending NYC, your... do, yeah, does feel like the center of the dance world. And There's like, if you think about being anywhere else, there's like, we, we're unemployed. That's, it does feel that yeah. way. I mean, maybe if we were in London, maybe. We'd have a job. Oh wait, in of the entire world? Yeah, no. In the United States, obviously. In the U- yeah, in the it's United States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sending your child to Juilliard is great. They have really like comprehensive dance training. And then picking our brain. Well, we we just we just dove so deeply into our brains about costumes and I our, think we did. Our, we already did it. Well, but thank you for writing in. Thank you. Tutu Celeste. Follow Tutu Celeste on Instagram, everybody. Okay, now there's one more thing. Okay. Okay, it's a voice memo, and I'm just going to play Love it. Love that. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, they sent to dance and stuff. Here we go. Wait, can I say, Garen Scribner uh-huh. sent me a voice memo trying to convince me to keep these puppies. Isn't that hilarious? He was like, he couldn't even, he, he couldn't even write it down. He was like, I have to send a voice memo about it. No, you have to. <laughs> I know he's right, though. Okay, here's the voice memo. You ready? Are we still recording? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Reed. Hey, Reed. We were just thinking about your question, and... We were thinking... Yes. Classic staples that every man and woman needs in their wardrobe. That would work, too. Also, anything cooking is um, going to be good. What else? And also anything related to um, your facial regime. It's yes. Been very inspiring. <laughs> yes. Any kind of like skincare line. Also like physical journeys, pandemic gym, something, you know, all that. I, what else? Sausages. Right. Do you eat sausages? Uncured. They're like really good. Like, 
tasty. Right. I don't ever think I've had a cured sausage. <laughs> anyway, we just had these really amazing Cremonelli minis. So good. But get the peppercorn. They're better than the original. Right. Chipotle is good, too. But you know what? In a pinch, the original will do. Um, I don't know. We would just want to listen to you talk about anything. And stuff. Miss you. Love you. Bye. I think we both eat sausages. I know. I rarely eat a sausage. What? This is from um, Aaron and Steve. Do Uh, I know them? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't don't recognize the voices. Um, Aaron and Steve, thank you for all the amazing questions. Let's start with your first question about class uh, staples that you need in your wardrobe. I mean... God, anything goes these days. Definitely, as a woman, like, you need one voluminous dress. Black... Like a tent dress, a bag dress. What's it for? Anything. I've Just worn like... it to beach weddings. I've worn it to oh. premieres. Do I've... I know this dress? I've worn it to. Is this the one with the like um, leg of mutton sleeves, kind of? No, I have one that's. I think I have more than one. You oh, might, okay. I, yeah. But they're so versatile. You can tie something around the waist if you want. Mm. It can be casual or. Um, dressed up. Okay, so one kind of voluminous lightweight black sack dress. Yep, that you can just like fold <laughs> this up. This is into literally your... staples of a witch's wardrobe. <laughs> 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 that you can just crumple up into your suitcase and it takes no space. Uh huh. What's yours? Staples, staples. The staples of my wardrobe are that are Uniqlo socks and Uniqlo briefs okay so those are my that's where you start then for the winter time i literally have uniqlo heat tech long sleeves and then like a a, assortment of plain crew neck t-shirts in neutral colors okay then i have in terms of pants you're gonna go ahead and find that i wear sweatpants almost every day i was gonna say that was my next thing sweatpants you need a sweatsuit you absolutely like a, need... a nice one. You need sweatpants that you can wear outside and not have people be like, that person is going to the gym or that person is going... Or that I person wear... is going to eat a bagel. You yeah, know? I wear sweatpants on all dates. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I generally pull it together to put on a pair of cotton pants. I like look very w- cute, Reed. Woven pants. I look very cute in I'm my sure sweatpants. I'm sure you do, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I, for for a date, I would definitely put on a pair of woven <laughs> wovens, with a well, probably with an elastic waist. To be to, <laughs> there to, you go. to be honest, exactly. Um, but for my my wardrobe is very is a largely navy blue, and so that makes things really easy. I guess that's oh, and I love for like slightly special occasions or like a beachy day. Um, Uniqlo women's blouses in large sizes are amazing for men who don't want to feel like they're in a play about Wall Street. they are good. I don't want to wear just like a cotton button up. It's I, not. I could never imagine. I would if you showed up like that. I would think that you were not okay. Like something <laughs> happened. Something's off. Yeah, it's happened. I've had. I've put them on I've under under underneath like a jacket for a premiere or something. Yeah, but underneath like a billowy jacket. Sometimes I mean I have I've pulled out the Jill Sander from time to time. Mm, that's true. Yeah, but no, I've definitely moved more into like this. 
vaguely like Eileen Fisher mode in the last few years. (laughs) And I've really moved into sweatsuit mode. Mm -hmm. Sweatpant with tea. So I don't know if any of that was particularly helpful. I mean, we couldn't give you like the Donna Karen list and say like, you must have a bodysuit or, you know, something ridiculous like that. No. Um, I don't wear jeans. I do like a good denim. You do? Yeah. Levi's. I never... Are they black? Do you wear jeans? I have black denim. But you don't have blue denim jeans. I have one blue denim from Creatures of Comfort. Uh Uh-huh. Also spacious. Uh Uh-huh. But yeah, even my denim is black and Levi's is the best. I don't have jeans. I do like to do an extreme high-low at basically all times. (laughs) Like I like to wear like basically everything Uniqlo or thrift store and then have on like it's hard for me to find like a jacket that's not five hundred dollars yeah so yeah well actually and actually the newest thing I'm doing is don't buy anything don't buy literally just wear what you have don't buy any clothes don't anymore. buy any clothes just I concur, wear what you have till it's shredded all of my clothes are now absolute cobwebs mm-hmm. that's the way to go so anyways uh, I want to talk about skincare. Oh, let's talk about skincare. <laughs> Isn't that their question? That's the next question, yeah. Um, I'll go first because it'll be brief. So, I don't do a lot in the way of cleansing. I have like an exfoliating thing from Trader Joe's that I do every few days. Otherwise, I just like rinse my face in the shower occasionally. Like I'll let the body soap um, sort of <laughs> sneak up onto my face if I'm feeling particularly oily. Then I put on my neem oil from the Ayurvedic Spa Pratima. And that has been my go-to for many years. And I've been cutting it with hyaluronic acid lately that I get from The Ordinary. Love The Ordinary. And I learned about a product called niacinamide. I use that too now. So I just ran out, but I am also going to keep using it because I think it works. I think it works too. It evens out your skin, gets rid of dark circles to a point. And then, so that's kind of it. And then... If I'm feeling like I need a semi-resurfacing, I'll break out the P50, which I, which seems is probably going to last me forever. It's an expensive product, but... Biologique. Biologique Recherche. Mm-hmm. So that's just an every now and then. And then if I need an eye cream, like if I'm going out and I need to look extra fresh, I put on my um, Oleg, Ole Henriksen Banana Bright eye cream that I went online and they told me that it was like the most popular eye cream is for us so does it work do you think it works it's slightly tinted yes in this like a little Mm -hmm. yellowy mode so it brightens the under eye and it does work yeah yeah um i'm gonna start with that eye cream too because there's a brand called tatcha Mm -hmm. it's a san francisco based brand that i discovered recently it's been around but i discovered it recently and i use their pearl eye cream for the day which is also has a bit of tint tatcha pearl illuminating eye treatment is kind of like that has a little bit of tint and it works what color is it when you open the thing there are three shades no so i have the lightest shade i believe i don't know i don't know which one i have it's either the middle or the light shade but it is it brightens up your under eye but it also is just the fastest thing to put on when you wake up when you don't want to wear anything else Mm. and it just like makes you look fresh Mm. um but uh 
Other than that, I do I do a cleanse. What do you do for cleansing? I have a Kiehl's wash, the gentle cleanser. Is it just creamy? It's just soap, soapy. It's not does creamy. It, does it foam? Like no, soap? it's like a soap. Okay. Like a gel, like a hand soap. And when you texture. use it, does your do you feel like stripped? No, it just feels gentle. Okay. So I use that, or I also do, I like Cetaphil cleanser, which is also mm, gentle, mm-hmm. gentle cleansers. Um, I always do a toner. Really? Witch Hazel. My God. Thayer's. Old, old school. Old school. That's burns. It doesn't burn. Oh, interesting. Do you use There's like, no alcohol in it. That's use, why it's Use nice. a cotton pad? Mm-hmm. Just swipe it around. I'm amazed. Does this happen once a day? Twice a day. Toner. Morning and night. Wow. And then... What does toner do? I feel like it adds a little bit of moisture back, but also, like, takes off any rem- remnants of, Residue. like... Yeah, anything left over. Oh. And then I do... Um, now I've been doing retinol and niacinamide. Right. The ordinary retinol and niacinamide. Ordinary retinol. Mm-hmm. Is that in a also vial, like, mm-hmm. squeeze, squeeze? Exactly. Uh, do they have it in varying? Do they have it in varying strengths? I believe they do. I think mine's like two percent. Maybe I'll do that. Um, and then I always like get excited, and then I have like ten products, and then I'll, like within a week, I'm back down to just the same old. You know, I go through phases too. This routine I'm telling y'all about right now is recent. Mm-hmm. I used to be. You've the, had some time on your hands. I exactly. This is what California does to you. Yeah. Four months in California. Um, but your skin looks great. I think it does too, yeah. actually. People are like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's the expensive things I bu- I'm buying. Um, <laughs> Except the ordinary. But also I think just like being rested and... Um, yeah, that's not, true. Not like super stressed out, eating well. Those things also. Like I will sleeping. say in California I was having three Korean home-cooked meals, which probably does it. I, like, basically didn't work for a year, and then I went to Australia, and I suddenly, like, was working and socializing in, like, a normal way without masks, and everything was normal. And then immediately I was, like, exhausted, got a cold sore, had zits. Like, it was... You did get a cold sore. It was immediate. I was like, oh, this is is normal. Doesn't that make you want to kind of reevaluate what you were doing before? And then even after the pandemic... Don't you kind of... I don't know. Oh, you're like, I just want to go back to that. Well, no. I mean, I, I, I do realize that right now I don't have a, like, a lot of stamina for work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do want to like build up to being able to work again a little. <laughs> oh, okay, you feel like you've gone too far the other way. Well, yeah, because... like You couldn't handle Australia. <laughs> like Over the course of the pandemic, there was like many days where like not where I wouldn't leave my house yeah and I also would just like watch three movies but weren't you also doing school yeah sometimes I had school there was like condensed periods of time where I had school you know how like when things are normal for us we're literally running around from like nine thirty in the morning to like 7 at night and then I go to a show yeah and I, I think that's unhealthy right it's probably not a way to live forever no no. And I actually saw this really old Italian man on YouTube today who's a part of, who was appeared on Pasta Grannies, which is this amazing YouTube series where like incredibly old Italian women make their like favorite home pasta. Oh. And this 101 year old woman was doing it. So they talked to like the 101 year old man who also lives in the neighborhood and they're like, 
what's the secret to your longevity? And he was like, just take it slow. Balance. Take it slow. Take it slow. So. Reed is, you are an incredible worker. Well, I'm somewhere like medium high. Like Jeremy is an incredible worker. You know, I don't know. I don't know Jeremy's life enough to comment. Oh, he but... can like wake up at dawn and like work until sundown and like work the whole time. But he's just like sitting. He's often sitting. Yeah, we doing Reed, a lot of. Reed, you are. You're like let me carry two twenty one twenty pound bags mm-hmm. uptown. Schlep. I'm a schlepper. Reed can schlep and be quicker than everybody else. I am a I am I would have been an amazing like messenger assistant type person. Oh, incredible. Cuz you you're the person who you see that subway door close and you make it. Oh, I'll run. Every time. I'll run. Do you know the story about how when I was I was at some reception for Shenway on the Upper East Side on Central Park East and I there's that N train up there by um by the FAO Schwartz. And I was like, I was like, I got to get on the train. It was wet outside and was wearing these like boots that I still have that I rarely wear. They're very heavy. They're, they're, um, Durango boots. They're, uh, like ankle height. Mm-hmm. They're very nice looking. I've seen them. They're good. Yeah. So I ran down the stairs and I was like, I went through the turnstile. The doors of the train were closing and I started to like hydroplane mm-hmm. and I slid <laughs> across the platform and one leg stepped into the train uh-huh. and the other leg fell into the crack. <laughs> no. Yeah. So the other leg fell all the way down. And then if you can imagine. I was going to say, like, how are you not injured? Well, the point? one foot that was standing in the train became like my thigh was against my chest. So, <laughs> yeah. Yes. So my height, I immediately like went down, down. three feet. Uh-huh. And the people on the train were looking at me like, what is happening? Were you like, I die today? I was like, if the train started Please. moving now, I would absolutely lose a leg. I'd be dead. So somehow I just like used my like hamstring strength and I just like pushed my on body your, up uh, and got my leg out of the crack and stepped into the train. And people oh. were like... Were they like... I don't know that people clapped, but they were like, you're stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they're not totally wrong. They're not totally wrong. You're stupid. The the worst thing I've done is I saw the the subway doors closing and I threw my bag. No. Yes. I threw it and it, the bag got caught in the doors and it opened. And you were not holding it anymore. Oh, no. I was holding it, but I, like, swung it. Oh, my God. I thought you meant that you just, like, threw it. I was like, what if it had gone in? (laughs) No, no, no. It was a kind of a long tote. So I just, because I was like, I can't make it with my feet. I'm not going to make it. So I swung, you know, like, for length. That's incredible. I swung it, but, you know, and it opened. But I one time dropped a book into the tracks accidentally. I was just like reading it and then I like was, I don't know, swinging my arm or I don't know what I was doing, but I suddenly dropped a book into oh the track. Oh my God. And you w- I didn't even think. I just jumped down and got it and you, jumped right yeah, back out. Yeah, you would. I lost my mind. You would be great in a zombie apocalypse, which is what's, what I, I tell you all the time. I know. I mean. Because you are action. You are action. You are fast. You can carry things. It's true. I don't actually want to like. I, I want to just, like, keep running, kind of, but I don't want to, like, I don't want to deal with people. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, killing? 
Well, that, but I'm not talking about the zombie apocalypse anymore. I'm just talking about, like, the part when, like, someone says, like, I kind of don't like this or that. And I'm like... Yeah, yeah. That's when I wish Harriet was there. Because I'm just like, well... (laughs) You're like... Well, it depends. It depends on why or, you know... Yeah, you tend to be able to divorce your feelings from the thing pretty quickly, which is something I'm getting better at. And, like, Jennifer Tipton and, like, helped me. Remember the one day when Mm -hmm. we were like, how do you deal with things when, like people disrupt your plans or like tell you they don't like what you're doing she's like i change it and i was like (laughs) i know yeah Uh, anyways but it's true like at the end of the day it's just dance and it's just clothes and you can change it it's just dance and at the end of the day it's like okay so you want a different shirt who cares no one cares who cares except i have cared we used to care a lot when we first started. And even... We cared so much. And even beyond. Well, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but I feel like lately, in the past few years, I've been very much like... What of? What ofs. Totes. What ofs. What ofs. And now with pandemic, it's super like, oh, whatever. Oh my goodness. It's one of our jobs recently was so like, sure. <laughs> oh my God, I don't even that, know what you're talking that about. That was our answer I've probably like forgotten what it is. We were just like, oh, you want to add something? Sure. Oh my God, I can't wait. To... Oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, okay, well, anyways, that was an hour. Wow. Are you really going to just play this whole thing? Yeah. Amazing. It is pandemic. What else What else are you Literally, doing? Literally, the fact that there's going to be a podcast on Friday is like a, a, miracle. a miracle. Also, everybody... If you want podcast recommendations, I'm listening to um, Celebrity Book Club right now with Lily Murata and her friend Stephen something, and it's so funny. It's L-O-L funny, funny, funny. Oh, I don't know this one. Oh, yeah. It's my new, it's my new fave. Okay. Seek Treatment continues to be funny. We're glad they're back. They're back. They're back and better than ever. I'm listening. It's great. Um, follow Catherine Cohen on Instagram. She's in quarantine in Canada being really funny. Any other recommendations? I'm watching It's a Sin on HBO, which is very good. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll start that. Except that Neil Patrick Harris is in episode one, and I... I Not your fave. I can't deal with him. Yeah, not my fave either. But it's okay. He's only in one episode. It's just a shock that even on a British television show, he pops up. Anyways, what are you watching? Um, I just finished I May Destroy You. Oh. Did you watch that? I didn't finish it, but it's really good. It's really good. So you guys already talked about it. Mm-mm. Oh, it's very good. It's triggering. Yeah. Can be triggering, but it's very good and well done. Um, and I watched the, you know, Godzilla and what? Uh, Kong like you fight. Did? What? The movie that came out. You did? Out. Yeah. Why? It's fun. Really? Was anyone in it we know? Um, Millie Bobby Brown. That's who's is that Whitney Houston's child? No. <laughs> I don't know who this is. Stranger Things. 11. Oh, 11. Okay. Her name's Millie Bobby Brown. Is it not? Je ne sais pas. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Kyle Chandler, the, oh, the yes, yes, hottie yes. daddy. We love Daddy Chandler. Right? Yeah. He just does it. He looks great in every... He's got a movie face. He's a movie face, hot daddy vibes. Yeah. Like, dad bod vibes, all of it. Uh, who else is in it? There's, yeah, there's like some famous Should people. Should I watch it? I mean, it, 
I'm not actually like, this is an amazing movie, but you know, it's, it's just like easy fun times. I've been sleeping my way through, um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is like, don't even, you don't have to bother with it, but I, I basically didn't see it. Yeah. You just turn it on to sleep. But there's an actor in it who plays like the new Captain America because they like the like government sort of is like and this is the new Captain America and it's this guy who I remember from a Black Mirror episode and he's kind of like amazing at this character because he has to play um you have to kind of like like him and then like not like him because he's emotionally disturbed and he's really good Mm. yeah what's the actor's name I don't know someone someone we don't know his name okay Okay, well, thank you for tuning in. Harriet will be back, I'm sure. Um, she's the only person I see. <laughs> and um, I have to be back. That's it. You have to be back. Send more questions for Harriet and Reed. And I... Should I adopt this puppy? Let me know. Oh, my God. They're sleeping on the bed right now. They're no. so cute. It's crazy. And anyways, we loves you. And... Uh, you can no longer buy products via the website, but if you'd like to buy a tote bag or whatever, um, just send a, a text, a DM via the Instagram, which is the dance and stuff show. I don't understand what's happening actually. Jack and Jeremy have taken a, are taking a break forever. Hiatus. Mm-hmm. Forever. For, probably. <laughs> and what, what happened? Why? Uh, they were done right oh. now for now. Okay. Yeah. Like. Jack basically needed to not do it anymore so that he could, like, refocus and, like, do his own work. Got it. By the way, I famously don't listen to dance and stuff. (laughs) Neither does Jack. Because (laughs) I talk to Reed every day, so. Yeah. We'd have nothing to talk about if she listened. So, um, that's what's going on. Okay. They, They, Jeremy and Jack said, if you want to keep going... Here's the passwords for the anchor, for the Squarespace, for the this. I said, okay. And so I I went through tutorials with Jeremy last week. He showed me how to upload episodes, etc. And then I did some of the editing for last week's episode and like put it in the anchor thing and like kind of couldn't believe it when it came out on Friday. Incredible. So we'll see if I can figure it out again this week. Okay. It's only Monday today, so I have... I have the whole week to figure it out. You're going to do it. Do you believe in me? I do. Well, Jeremy will help me if I'm failing. So we always have Jeremy as a backup. Jeremy, are you listening to the podcast? Hey, Jeremy. Thanks for publishing and editing and and making a brand identity for 200 episodes of the podcast. Wow. I know. Can you believe it? I can't. If nobody listens to this podcast anymore, it's okay. I'll probably just keep doing it for my own sake. Yeah, it's like journaling. It's absolutely journaling. If I didn't do it, there'd be no record of my life because it's certainly not in my brain. Yeah. Maybe I'll do it with you just to be journaling myself. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye. We loves you. Bye.